Welcome to the Mark Explains Podcast, where we discuss anything from science and faith to politics, aliens, sex, and everything in between. My name is Mark, and I'm the host of this podcast, along with my best friend, Ashlyn. I am a chemist and geoscientist, and I studied at Michigan State University, but I am also a former evangelical worship leader, and I also did search and rescue from the back of a helicopter in the U.S. Coast Guard stationed all the way in Alaska over a decade ago. My life is replete with really unique stories and connections with the most unique people on this planet. And my goal in this podcast is to bring those conversations to as many of you as I can, and to hopefully bring laughter, peace, knowledge, and healing to all of you that listen. Welcome to the Mark Explains Podcast. Yeah, I mean, you're a dad. I am a soon to be dad. Soon to be dad. Oh my. It's coming. Bro. When, so, when does she do? Uh, well, the due date is technically May 7, but with twins, they don't let you go 40 weeks. So you're having twins. I'm having twins. <laughs> Have you even announced this? I've seen nothing about it. Oh, it's been on Instagram. I'm not, a, I am off Facebook. So. The, uh, but it was it was on Instagram. Did yeah. you like post once and then never say a thing about it? Because I did not see it. Um, I ba- I think I've had two posts about it. That's Man, it. I, I, you I, you must not be in my algorithms anymore. I guess not. I I hate that Instagram does that. Yeah. I mean, like you're you're one of my root friends, my <laughs> friends that I consider like a, just a. Just a, a friend that I six months could pass, and I could just be like, "Yo, Tommy, let's let's pick it up and catch yeah, up." Yeah, and it's yeah. all good. So hold up, let, let me go. I'm going to. So yeah, find find my page, <sighs> Tommy Fife. So if you look at the post that looks like Wordle, okay, swipe through that. Yeah, I literally didn't see this. Looks like we had a different Wordle than everyone else today. Novel heart beats bring. Pfeiffer twins. Dude, that's so – how did you create that? Uh, there's a website that you could, like, make your own. You can like, make your own the word. word. Um, so, like, you tell it what word to do. Oh and actually, gosh. that was how I revealed this to some family is I sent them a link to the, where they could play it. Wow. So oh, that's they, – So then they got oh, to play the word. Dude, that's so have cool. It be twins. I didn't know you could out. do yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, that's really neat, man. So, and then the uh, the next post, the most recent post, is uh, uh, I posted it on National Twin Day, which I just learned is December eighteen. Oh, nice. Um, so that's a that's a thing that is now going to be in my life. Um, and that was when we posted that. Yeah, it is one boy and one girl. Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> so so adorable, man. Yeah, man. Uh, so and, well, I mean, I just uh, interviewed Brandy and Nate. Okay. Um, and I don't know how much you know about. Am I close to this? Is this hot enough for? You're you're fine. Okay, I didn't you, know if it you was. You know how to do this. I do. Usually, I'm like right up here on these That's microphones. So very loud. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm usually a fist away, but everyone else doesn't. Yeah. But it's because you're so short. I, I have to I have to slouch to get down. Slouch to down, baby. Come down to my level. It's <laughs> Come good down, down to your level. <laughs> no, the air is warmer. It's yeah. nice. Dude, so I, I wake up in the morning, every morning, um, and go out to my ice bath yeah. I, within five minutes. So I've been doing this since the first of the year. Okay. Um, we're in February now. And I got this ice bath. It's a Nuri cover, N-U-R-E cover. Okay. And okay. it was like 100 bucks out of Canada. Yeah. And um, they sent it to me. It's just a liner. And you, you, you inflate the top part. It kind of keeps it rigid. You fill it with water. The water pushes the edges and keeps it... Um, upright and yeah. 
put it on my little patio deck, um, second floor for those that are listening. And, uh, um, I just leave it outside. It's right next to my house. So the house kind of keeps it ish above freezing, above freezing at least above ish. But lately the temps have been like record cold. So, so, so cold. And so I was building up some ice. So I got a de-icer, um, like a stock tank de-icer for horses. It it keeps the water troughs, um, liquid. Um, but this morning the water, I, I broke the ice. It was, uh, the water said 26.4, 26.5 degrees. No. And for those of you who think water freezes at 32, it does on the top, but then it isolates the temperature below it. Mm. And the water was, I mean, I have a a digital thermometer and I broke the ice and measured the temp and it was 26. And, uh, uh, so when I wake up, I wake up, um, I have kind of an interesting routine in the morning now. Um, I wake up and within five, like I go to the bathroom and, and then I'm, I'm on that thing. So six thirty to 7am I am out stark naked yeah. in, in the ice. And I sit and I go and sit in for three minutes up ba- to okay, the neck. Back up, back up. Yeah. Naked. Yeah. Stark naked. But that's like on your porch. Yeah. Which I'm looking out the window and seeing windows of other houses. They're, they're too far. No, no. <laughs> it, if, actually, if you go on my porch, it looks, it's a little tunnel. Nobody can see. Uh-huh. Me. Also, yep. no one really cares. <laughs> we, we all have these bits and pieces. It's, it's, it's not a mystery. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, <laughs> not, nothing special. Tell, tell that to the person who was arrested for streaking. You know? <laughs> <laughs> tell that to Carolyn, who lives across. Oh, yeah, right. The, the 90-year-old grandma. She, was, she, she peeps on me anyway. <laughs> it's fine. I don't care. I don't care. I'm Anyways, that's like yeah. And then I oh I come gosh. in. I I actually get out and I spend about thirty seconds outside, wet and cold. And I like um I put the cover back on and make sure it's all in place. And I stand there and let my body get cold. And then I come in uh. and I air dry, inside. Um and then when I'm dry, then I bring a trampoline. I have those little exercise trampolines and I jump on the trampoline for three minutes. And so what, like what, what I'm doing is I'm kickstarting all my systems first thing. Right. Cause you get a cocktail, uh, like you get a, this surge of cocktail hormones, you get right. dopamine response, you get an epinephrine response and it lasts for hours along mm. with, you can tolerate cold better. You, you get a production of brown fat. It's just, it's good for you all around. And mm. then the trampoline is, um, you're kickstarting your lymphatic system, your nervous system, all the things. So I'm basically just kickstarting all of my systems in the morning. And then I go for like a hearty, like hour to an hour and a half long walk. Okay. At like a really, like a brisk pace, like, yeah. like four miles an hour at an incline. Like it's like I'm moving. Okay. And that's been my routine. Wow. And I'm like feeling, I'm feel, I feel a lot better than I have. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, cause we're early February. Yeah. And have you had the like SAD kind of stuff before? Like has winter been hard for you in the past? Oh, Oh, oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. My, my, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I, <laughs> I'm seasonally, de- <laughs> have you seen the meme that that's like, it's like a cartoon and, and it's like spring is turning to summer and, and, uh, the guy's like opening up the door. He's like, get out of here. Seasonal depression. And then the next one says, welcome, regular depression. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Got it. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I definitely struggle with, uh, seasonal depression, but like sure. January had like what? five minutes of sunshine. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know if it was that low, but it was like in Grand Rapids, it was like, so the sun came out and they started talking about how like, it was like eight minutes of sunshine for the month. That was, that was like the first week. There were only five minutes of sunshine. I think for all 31 days, it was like, 
there were like 27 of the days didn't have more than 50% of the day oh with sunshine. And then like 19 of the days didn't have more than like, I, I, you know, I, I don't know, another number. It, it was very cloudy. It was very gray. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I, I've started noticing for myself, like the last, it really didn't start until probably like late twenties. Like, all right, oh. let's get into real adulthood, Ooh, and that's, that's, that's interesting. when it kicked in for me. I don't know when it started for me. I mean, I'm like, I, I don't I'm, remember this as a kid. I don't remember this in my like young twenties. Um, but I all of a sudden, I wonder if it was there, but we just registered as something else. It could be. Um, you know, it it also like, I mean, <laughs> shit. A lot of things changed in my life through my you oh, know twenties yeah. and everything. Like, just just a lot of different ways, right? How old and are you so, now? I am 32, coming up on 33, like in a week, like a week and a few days, Dude, 10 days. Happy early birthday. Thanks, man. That's awesome. Wait, yeah. are you, are you like a, um, you're right around Valentine's Day. I'm on Valentine's Day. Dude, you're the second person. Oh, for real? Yeah. Oh, actually, I know three people on Valentine's Day. Nice. You, Dale Blaine, and Alexa Johnson. You there three. you go. Cool. Um, neither of them listen to this podcast. That's fine. So you're the only one. Yeah. You're the only one that matters. Any of them born in 1990? I Like exactly dead on? Ooh. I, ooh, I don't know. Dale might've been. That's that. Yeah. Might, maybe there's a, there's someone I went to college with. Um, and like for the freshman orientation thing, they bring, they, they at Hope college, they do this, whatever thing on a Saturday night where they have, you meet a ton of people and you find your like birthday buddy out of your entire, you know, class of 800, 900 students at, at the college. And so there's there, I know of one woman that I went to Hope college with her, her birthday is on February 14, 1990, the same as mine. Oh, that's so wild. So like, probably ran into her just a few times around campus every once in a while. It was like, ah, birthday buddy. Like, and that was the extent of our relationship pretty much. No. <laughs> have you, you, have you heard of like the birthday paradox? I have not heard of this. So you would think that, um, there's 365 days in the year. Okay. So, um, what are the chances at what point would the chances are like, how many people do you have to have in a room until that number becomes like, above 50%. Like what are the chances? How many people in the room? Ah, have, like, okay. At, at what, how many people does mm. 50%? So you would think it'd be like 180 or sure. whatever, like half the year, right? Yeah. But it probably isn't. No. So I, sorry, I'm interrupting you, but no, my, my question is, does it depend on when your birthday is? No, it doesn't. Nope. Cause I mean, I, I'm, I mean, yes, we, people have sex all throughout the year, <laughs> but I'm thinking there are some times of year where it's more likely to happen than others. So that you might have some months where you have more, uh, uh, that I've never asked this question before. I wonder if there's any data on like how well spread our birthdays. Oh, across. there's lots of data. Is there? Oh yeah. Please, please illumine me. Uh, illuminate. Yeah. <laughs> illuminate, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, there, um, I remember, it, it's less on like the months and more on like the days. If you look at uh, okay. the, the day that somebody's born, like right around Christmas, okay. Christmas Eve has a spike and Christmas Day has a hard drop. Interesting. And then the day after Christmas has a hard spike again. Is Be that? Because people don't want to have a birthday. They don't want to give birth right on Christmas. So they'll actually uh, induce early or push early or like hold off. It. Um, and a lot of those are on holidays. So basically around holidays, you yeah. see this big dip huh. right at the holidays. But before, right before and after holidays, you get a big spike. There you go. Yep. Um, huh. But as far as, uh, so the number is 26. 26 people in a room and you have a 50% chance of uh, finding somebody with your same birthday. And 
it's it's algorithmically uh, st- and statistically accurate. It's it's for, called for the listener. I am making a very skeptical it, face it, of Mark it is, right now. It, it is called the birthday paradox. And actually, I, I don't know. I, I believe it's it's forty five people or forty six people. You get a ninety nine percent chance. That's of having, that. No, I know it's no. weird, but look it up. Go, no. Search it right now. A, a, a random group of people, truly actually, random. Y- yes, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull it up. Uh, because it's called the birthday paradox, and, and I don't know how we ever got that. Uh, so let's see here. Um, is the this birthday... about to like get us into horoscopes? Where like no. it's something about you know you're more likely to spend time around no. people. Oh, it's twenty three. So here you go. Probability, um, the number of people. So it's twenty three is at fifty percent, and the number at ninety nine percent. Yeah, it's like forty seven, forty eight people. Right here, and you get a ninety-nine percent. And it's, wait, wait, wait—the probability that there is any pair, or that yes. there is your birthday, that two people have the same birthday. But that doesn't mean someone has my birthday. Um, well, that means that there's any somebody, pair in that room. Somebody in the room can say my birthday, right? Can can say your no, birthday. Like, their selves, like so. It, yeah. Okay. Tw- well, that tw- makes tw- way more sense. Yeah, but like if you think about it, three hundred sixty-five days, you would think. You would need 180 people. No, that's because there's that would be if if 50 chance that there would be someone with a birthday on February 14. Like, Correct. There's a you would need the half number of people of days. Correct. In order to have like it would be the same as mine. Okay, I'm I'm tracking this way yeah, more it's, now. It is it is strange. That, that though, is I mean that is still a smaller yep, number of people tw- than you twenty twenty three and the chances yeah. are 50 percent that two huh. people have the same birthday. But yeah, and you would think how is that possible because there's so many days of the year, but it's it's paired. Yeah. Um, and yes, yeah, so that's, that's the birthday paradox, that's which fun. is, which is, which is wild. Yeah. So numbers actually, are fun, dude, numbers in this universe are weird. <laughs> um, uh, I wrote a book. You wrote a book. I wrote a book. What'd you write a book about? I've kept this pretty secret for a long time for about two years. I've been writing it. Okay. And I, I clue in every now and then on the podcast. Um, I clue in that I've been writing, but I, um, it's kind of, uh, it's some, something that I've been working on for a little while. Um, but the book is called Pi. And Pi, like P-I? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, subtitles, Existence Within the Fabric of Nothingness. Okay. And it kind of fits sure. me and my life, that's, that's, I feel. That's kind of right. right it tracks. Yeah. It tracks. Uh, and it's, um, I'm, I'm searching for a, a literary agent right now or a publisher. Okay. And wow. so hopefully within this year, I will be a published author. Wow. Yeah, and we I do um, the book is on like the weirdness of the universe, basically. Okay, um, that's a really general overview. Um, you got to think like this universe is weird. Yeah, like very weird. Uh huh. And we all just pretend like the weirdness is normal. And so basically, the book is a compilation of all of the weird things, mm. everything that I find inconsistent, everything from the strange behavior of uh, quantum mechanics all the way to like UFOs and you know, the pyramids, everything, sure. everything. And so the idea is what happens if you take everything and put it all under one umbrella? What is the overarching theme? Okay. Like what it is all, what does it all say? Okay. And so that's, that's the book. Huh. And hopefully it's, uh, uh, nobody wants to, nobody wants to publish me because I don't have a hundred thousand followers on TikTok. Like <laughs> right. the, literally that's, that's their response. They're like, if you are a first-time author, you have to have so that doesn't a huge that doesn't following. surprise me based on the authors that I've followed on social media, and like when they have a book, like they go into wild and crazy promote the book mode, 
And it's because of the whole like publishers are saying you need to have a certain number of pre-sales that so wild? that it'll end up showing. So like there's, yeah, it's just. What did people do in know. 1960? Not this. Yeah. Well, they also didn't have the, the publishers didn't have the data and the metrics to predict what is going to be worth them investing no, in. You're right. And so it's, it's. I, I like I get it, two sided, but sword. it's also like this is dumb. Like yeah. it, it makes like, it so that well, I mean, this is oh gosh, this is a whole other thing that we could get into that I have many opinions about. But like we are in the time period where it's more important that you, it's less important that you have something to say or that you have something to offer, yeah. and it's more important that you are popular. Yeah, I know, dude. Like, the currency <laughs> is just being able to get people's attention, whether or it not- me, It drives me it's crazy. Worth, whether or not you you have anything to say. It drives you know? me crazy because, like, I, I don't want to make content. But here right. I am, here I am, like, watching videos of, how like like what are the things that I have to watch for like yeah. what are the like how do I post a video like oh it needs to have fast cuts you need to uh, yeah. move your body you can't just sit there and be like hello my name is Mark and I wrote a book yeah. like no one's gonna watch no. that like, you have to be engaged within three seconds you right? have to be good at being worthy like not it's again it's not even you have anything to say right it's and even then have you have to be you good at getting not. attention and right even then so it's like a numbers game like I have to put out so much content in order for a chance to be, uh, to go viral. And yeah. then once I'm viral, then I have a chance of getting published. And I'm like, that's great. That feels good. Right. That tracks. Right. I'm like, I don't want to so like, So it's like the, the ability to be published is less about being able to write a good book that right. would be valuable that when it was right. in people's hands. It's right. more about, well, I mean, okay, we could go into all kinds of rabbit trails here about like, what does it take to be like a leading politician? It doesn't oh, take gosh. being a good leader. It takes being someone who can rise to the top oh, of all of that. Gosh. That's how you have the knuckleheads that we have going on and, and egomaniacs and all that kind of, the systems form, okay, I'm gonna get on a soapbox. <laughs> We're already there. <laughs> it's, it's so weird because I'm like, there are all these authors that are incredible, incredible yeah. writers. Yeah. But they suck at social media. But I mean, who cares if they suck at social media? And the publishers are like, we care. And I'm like, oh, well, what? what well, because the there's... people that are good at social media are worth more to the publishers. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Because then they can sell more. Yeah. It's not about the content. It's about the right. how much money they can make. Right. It's garbage. That's garbage, man. Yep. I'm done. I'm done with it. <laughs> but in, anyways, uh, it'll, it'll come out this year sometimes. Nice. Um, I'll That's send exciting, you, I'll, I'll send you a copy. That'd be it's, it's, oh, I'd love that. It's right up your alley. Nice. It's right up your alley. Yeah. Um, it's strange. But, dude, I wanted to have you on. There's been some things on my mind. Okay. And I'm not a very public person uh, okay. when it comes to, like, the personal stuff in my life. Sure. I don't share a lot on social media. Yeah. I don't, uh, I have a hard time sharing things with my friends and my family mm-hmm. at all. Um, and I had this, this idea floating around in my head because <clears throat> I've been thinking about death. And it's such a strange topic to me. Um, but I should probably tell you why. And, um, and then we can talk about all of the weird things about death. Death is, death is kind of strange. It's a strange thing to me. Um, that we were not, and now we are, and at some point we won't be. Right. And and that's a strange concept. Um, and nobody can really speak intelligently about the before or the after. Right. And that's also a strange thing about mm-hmm. <laughs> about this idea, is birth and death are intrinsically connected. Um, 
with this element of unknown. Mm. And um, let me back up and tell you a little bit about my life for the past year, because mm. uh, it's been interesting. Yeah. Um, about a year ago, um, I noticed I was getting some weird cysts on the back of my head. Mm. And they came in like rapidly. Um, and they were just like surface cysts, surface level cysts, like sebaceous. Um, and they would, they would hurt, but there was one that was like behind my ear and it was like growing and I was like, man, this is weird. I was like, it almost, I literally almost thought it was like a, like a zit or like mm-hmm. a folliculitis or something like sure. that. Um, and, uh, I went to the doctor at one point and they just, the, the doctor looked at it and he's like, oh, it's follicul- folliculitis. Here's some steroids. Yeah. Didn't even like, didn't even touch it. Mm-hmm. Nothing. I took the steroids. It did nothing, right. like absolutely nothing. And um, had to go see a specialist. I saw a dermatologist, and then I saw a couple other doctors. And they were like, um, you have a few cysts. But then they searched my head, and they're like, you have a bunch. You have like 35. Um, all, all in the back, like from ear to ear on the back side of my head. Okay. Um, and uh, they asked me, like, have you ever had cysts before? And I'm like, no, I've never had cysts before. And, um, and it was like February, March, April – May of last year, I was like, I didn't really know what to do. They kind of hurt. And then they they would like rupture occasionally and Mm -hmm. and I was sleeping well. And it was like all these things. And and, like, I just wasn't getting a lot of answers. The VA is great when it comes to like not paying for your care. Like I'm fully covered. But at the same time, like finding a specialist is a fucking pain, Mm -hmm. man. Like getting in anywhere such as pulling teeth. Oh, geez. Um, and so like, I, I was just, it just, it, something felt off. I was just like, all of a sudden now I had a ton of cysts, like a ton. Mm. And, um, and then one morning I woke up and I felt one like in my arm and I was like, oh, that's weird. And I have like one in my arm. And then like a week later there was like one in my stomach, like in my abdomen, right below my wow. sternum. And, and then like, and then I felt one in like my back, um, like right, uh, like on my lumbar spine. And I was like, what is going on? This is so strange. So then I, Went to the doctor and was like, hey, something feels off. I, I just want um, – I did, we should probably do some imaging or something like that. And they scheduled a CT, and um, the CT came back, and the doctor was like, let's do an MRI. Whoa. And it like, didn't even give me the results. And I was, okay. like, I was like, okay. And then they did the, re- they did the MRI, um, and the CT showed a few things. Um, they did the MRI, and the MRI showed uh, cysts on my kidneys and on my liver and on my pancreas and scarring on my lungs, which is weird, mm. um, and a, a few other things that were, I think, insignificant. Um, and I was like, what is this? And then it was like months before I could even get in or talk to anyone. And I was and I was like – but and then it kind of progressed after that – I started getting headaches like more frequently than I've ever gotten them. Um, and then like migraines and I've never had migraines mm-hmm. in my life. Um, and I went in and saw a doctor like, they're like we can do a CT of your head and they did a CT and then they, it was the same thing. They're like, let's do an MRI of your head, which have you ever had an MRI before? Um, I don't think I have actually. <laughs> they lock you in a cage yeah and you cannot move they yeah, literally yeah, yeah. strap you down oh geez and it, like it, the claustrophobia city the oh, head man. the head one they put like this they strap your head to like this gurney and then they put a cage around your head 
and you cannot move. Mm. You, you're, it's <laughs> if you are at all claustrophobic, bro. You're done, bro. Yeah. But it was like an hour. They're like, they're like, we can, you can listen to like a CD. What, what do you want to listen to? And there was like four choices. I think it was like George Strait is what I listened to or something. <laughs> but, but it was, Jeez. it was wild. Um, and uh, I got the MRI back, and but see the funny thing is like I didn't I, I could I don't even get the results, and this is like a side a side note like I I don't even have access to my own information mm. with the VA, which is so frustrating because there's this thing like healthy vet online, but you have to like apply. And I went out and applied and it says, you already have an account. And I was like, let's try to recover the account. And they're like, you have two accounts now. And now they're both inactive. And it's, it's like, a, it's mm. such a pain. And I go, I literally walk into a VA facility and I was like, I'd like to see my records. They're like, we can't do that. You have to go down and file this form. And it has, mm. and I'm like, I, they literally make it. And I was like, I, it's weird that I can't have access to my own information. For sure. Um, but I finally got into the doctor, and um, it showed cysts in my brain. Um, mm. One on my pineal gland, um, and one in my hippocampus that are the prominent ones, and a few others as well. Mm. And uh, and I and I asked him, I was like, "Are these dangerous? Are they bad?" Well, I mean, like a cyst inherently isn't bad or good. Sure. It's just a thing. It's yeah. Just you know, they can be harmless. But they can start to um, affect things if they they push against things. They could, they can you know disrupt function. Basically, right. that's all right. you really have to worry about. Just pressure. Uh, basically, yeah. yeah. Um, okay. The 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 cyst on my kidney is actually pretty big. It's okay. um, I think just shy of the size of a, like a golf ball. So wow. it's um, but the function of that kidney is okay. So there's no need to do anything right now. Right. Um, if it grows, it could affect the function, and then we have to figure out what to do. But, um, and it's at this point, um, some of the, some of the, uh, information gets a little foggy for me because, um, one of the symptoms I'm having is, uh, uh, short-term memory loss, like wow. pretty significant, okay. um, to where like my, like Andy knows my buddy, my best friend, he knows, um, and uh, like <laughs> I tell him things, but then I'll like tell him again, even mm. even within like the confines of like a a one time hanging out or whatever. Okay. And he's like, "Yeah, my dad has you know Parkinson's or does the same thing or something like that." And I'm like, okay. "I don't. <laughs> I feel kind of. I'm like, I feel like I'm aging faster than mm. I am. But um, oh, wow. it's because like I I don't like we had that conversation." out in the hallway where I was like, you've been here. And you're like, no, I have. And I was like, yeah, you have. Like uh, in my brain remembers you being here, but you've never here. Sure. Um, Cause my brain isn't working really well right now, mm. which is strange for me. Yeah. Um, also like I'll be in mid conversation and I'll be looking for a word, but the word is simple. Um, yeah. You know, like progress and I'll just, I, I'll lose it and it's just gone. Yeah. Um, which is strange. Like those things are strange for me because I feel like I'm, a well-spoken, well-read individual, but sure. all of a sudden now my brain doesn't work, which is wow. weird. Um, but the, the, the strange thing about that is like, um, so I, I was able to talk to a doctor, a specialist about those. And they're like, typically cysts don't cause those types of things, but we just want to look into it further. Um, and I, um, so then I just started, I'm like, I'm tired of like waiting. So then I just yeah. started doing all this research and, um, I was like, uh, um, I started doing like research that is uh, like cysts tied to autoimmune disorders and this and that. Like sure. I, I just wanted to know. 
And um, the thing that came up um, was lupus and mm. um, how lupus doesn't necessarily cause cysts at all, but there's this um, subset called hydrodenitive superativa that is kind of perpetuated if you have lupus, and it could be. And I went and tested, and I tested positive for lupus. Wow. And um, uh, so I – and it's funny because I did get a call from the nurse. They're like, hey, we want to let you know uh, you're positive for lupus. Have a good day. And I was like <coughs> – and I was oh, like <laughs> – And I was like, uh, what do you mean? <laughs> I was like, what, what, what do I do? Do I have to like change my diet? Do I like, I don't, I don't, I know right. nothing. Yeah. And I know. And so, and that was back in November, um, that I found out. And, mm. um, and since then, um, I have had a seizure, which is a little interesting. Oh, man. Um, I was, I was actually driving back from, uh, dinner with a friend of mine um, Lo, I don't know if you know Lo. She's in. I don't think I do. She's over in Grand Rapids. We okay. were we had we had dinner and we were driving back um, here in town. I, it was like we were like, I was like five minutes away. And I've lived yeah. I lived here in Lansing for years and years and years. I know the area very well. And we I was just driving home five minutes. And the only way I can describe it is like I was driving, and there's like a break in my consciousness. For me, it was just like a split second, and then I was just like super disoriented. And the best way to say it was like. Um, like if you take a nap on a couch yeah, and you wake up and you're like, where am I? Oh, wow. So now extend that like 10 minutes and I'm sitting in, and oh. I, I was staring at the screen, um, at my map and my car and, and I was looking at it and I recognized 96. I recognized 127. I recognized the area. I'm like, yeah, but I couldn't tell where I was. And I couldn't tell where I was going. And I was like, where, where am I? And Lo was like, are you okay? And I was like, I, I don't know where I am. I don't know where we're supposed to go. And it was just super disorienting. And then I clicked like the take me home yeah. and I saw the route and then my brain was back and I was right okay. back. Huh. So it was very strange. Um, yeah. And I didn't know that was a seizure. I didn't, I had no idea huh. um, until I talked to a neurologist and they're like, there's many types of seizures. Sure. Okay. And, um, and they wow. call that a certain type, but it's like a non-visual one. So like, it, it's not one where you're on the ground and you're shaking. Sure. It's just a, where your brain kind of short circuits. Okay. Um, and, uh, and so, um, I'm also, I, I have these spells of fatigue where like I'll wake up and eat food and, um, and then I like get super tired and I'm like, I just want to go take a nap and it's like 10 in the morning and I'll sleep all the way till the next day. Whoa. Um, so like super, super extreme fatigue. Um, and it's just all these weird symptoms. Mm. Um, and they're all kind of strange. And I, and I'm like, this doesn't, it's not even really consistent with cysts in the brain. Now cysts in the brain can be dangerous. They can affect certain things. Um, and so I'm, uh, going to see another specialist next week, but, mm. um, uh, from I went and saw a doctor this past Monday, and what they are suspecting I have is something called neuropsychiatric systemic lupus, which is when lupus progresses and starts affecting your brain. Yeah, um, and it can be pretty aggressive. Um, wow. Yeah, and uh, the cysts are a subset of that, and mm. I think they're separate but connected. Okay, and. Um, I, it, I didn't, I, December was a rough month. Yeah. 
this like, like end of November, no December, because like, I'm I'm trying to figure this stuff out. Right. Of course. I, I, like I like sometimes like I like I would travel like and I, then I would it would trigger a headache and I'd be down for two days, mm. and um, or I would go and drink like I would go out and have a social drink with a friend, and um, I would have like one of these which is like a seltzer and I'd feel fine and then I would drink half of a Coors Light. And I would be down for three days, wow. and I'm like, I and I'm so I'm try, I'm literally trying to navigate all these new things. I'm like, what is going on? Right. And I don't really know. Um, and I like, like the the first main questions I have is like, like I'm like, hey, am I gonna die? Yeah. Like, like I feel like this is very degenerative and progressive, like fast, like quickly. Within yeah. within a year, I went from like normal function to figuring out what the fuck is going on with my life. Right. And, and now like all of a sudden I'm have cysts in my brain and uh, like all over my body, like mm -hmm. literally all over my body. And, um, and now I'm having, like I've had seizures and migraines and, uh, and, and I like, sometimes I can't like, I, I'll have, I'll have plans or like, I talk to my dad. Like yeah. I, if I talk to somebody on the phone, there's like a 50 50 chance I'm not going to remember that conversation like oh, right now. Okay. Um, wow. <laughs> like, uh, I think it was a week, a week ago I went to a, and I only know this now because of a conversation. A week ago I went to a, um, board game night, uh, and my friend Haley came and, um, she, she drove in from out of state or out of city. She's over in Grand Rapids and we hung mm -hmm. out. It was super fun. It was like a ton of people and we all hung out and had a, it was a murder mystery game night. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, it was so fun. It was, it was like a it was a theme night, and we played a murder mystery game. It was okay. so much fun. It was a blast. And but I remember that now. But on wait, what day is it? Today Sa is Saturday. For Thursday, Thursday, me and Haley drove up to Caberfay to go skiing, mm -hmm. and on the way up there, she she said something something, and she's like, "Yeah, just like the murder mystery night." And I was and I I literally was like, "What is that?" I thought oh, no. she was talking about something else. And didn't mention it to me. I was like, what's the murder mystery night? And she's like, oh boy. are you kidding? The thing we did. Yeah. She's yeah. like, like four days ago. And oh I was like, boy. I was like, what did we do? And she's like, you're fucking with me. I was like, what are you talking about? She's like the oh murder no. mystery night. And she started talking about it and it triggered the memories. Mm, okay. But I had, I had no idea what she was talking about. It's almost like the, like the pathway isn't firing right away. It like needs some help to like connect. Yeah. Like the, the, the memories are going in. And then, because I usually, I like my, my information recall is really good. Sure. If I can read a book, I, I can recall that information really well. And now I'm like, I have a kind of, I, I, I experienced something and I'm not even remembering it. Mm -hmm. Or like, I remember things differently. Like yeah. I, I physically remember you sitting here at this table with me. Wow. But you were on a screen. I apparently. was on a screen the last time we recorded. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, mm. and so like, I, I don't know the prognosis. I don't know if I'm going to live three months or 35 wow. years. I don't know any of these things. And honestly, there's not a lot of people that even know this. Like Ashlyn doesn't even know. Wow. Um, and I need to, <laughs> I'm going to call him tonight before I post this because he's an important person and he of needs course. to know. Yeah. Um, and I have a habit of sharing, uh, vulnerable things on this podcast versus not in mm. real life. Uh, for some mm. reason, this is a safe space for me. Mm. Um, and you're somebody that I highly, highly respect. Mm. And I've always uh, honored and uh, I cherish our friendship, but also your insight into this world and into reality is a really unique perspective oh. that I that I treasure. And like mm. when you talk, I listen. So I'm like, if 
I, I, I want to have this conversation because now I've been thinking about death and I'm yeah. like, uh, like for me, like I, I, I've shared this with very, very few people. Yeah. And I think one of the first questions people ask, like, are you scared of dying? And I'm like, no, not really. Mm. I'm not scared of dying. What I'm scared about is like hurting those I love mm. because like, really I'm good. If, yeah. if I was like some loner somewhere yeah. with no family and not connected, I'd be like, ah, let's donate. Like I'd sign up for weird scientific <laughs> body research shit sure, and sure. just kick the can and let it, you know, go in flames. I don't care, you yeah. know? Um, but I know that I matter to people, even though like my brain tells me I don't, mm. I know I do like logically it's you there. Do. I know. I, <laughs> I'm just being another person to say I know. it. That's all I'm I, doing. I, I don't believe it, mm. but I, I I know it logically. Repetition. Um, you matter to a lot of people. Well, thank you. Um, you do. And so I'm at this weird stage in my life where I'm like, um, mm. I don't know what comes next. Yeah. And I wanted to talk to you about the ethics of dying mm. in the perspective of not knowing what my future is, which is mm. an interest because it's, it's weird. Like I'm, I'm launching a apparel company right now and I'm like, <laughs> right. I'm like doing all these thick boy dot fit. Go yeah. check it out. Yeah. Um, like <laughs> today's episode is sponsored by <laughs> thick boy. Use promo code. Oh, I should do that. <laughs> you should, uh, code 30 C O D E 30, uh, will get you 30% off your order. There you go. <laughs> Go order, go order some shit. It's actually really funny. It's really good stuff. Yeah, man. Um, it's high level apparel uh, for fitness. But I'm, I'm like doing all these things, and yeah. it, it, like I, the overarching question was like, how can you do all these things if like you don't mm. know if you're gonna live or die? And I'm like, I don't care. Mm. Like I, I, the the purpose and the meaning of life. Like I'm gonna die eventually, either way, mm. sooner or later. And to get caught up in this. Um, I mean, I feel like it could be like a vortex almost yeah. like what if, if I get sucked into the fear of dying, like, mm. I don't know if I could get come out of that. Yeah. Um, mm. I don't know. It's, it's a strange place to be. Um, mm. what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> oh man. Um, I just gave you I'm, a ton of information. You did. You did. And I'm, in real time, you're, you're processing. And some of it is I'm, I'm de digesting just the news about you. And, you know, you're telling me about my friend. And so that's just, there's some feeling that out. Um, and then there's also just grappling with, like, one one question that, that occurred to me is you said, you know, I'm not afraid of dying. No. Yeah. What are your feelings about dying and death? If it's, it's not fear, are there any other feelings that come up around that? Uh, I mean, I th I think I'll probably regenerate somewhere else. Okay. I, in the first three years, I'll probably remember this life, and then it'll fade away. Like sure. Um, so I'd, I'll just observe that I asked, "How do you feel?" And your first words were, "I think." Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, this has been a really tough season. Yeah. Really, really fucking tough. Yeah. Um, that plays into it a little bit. Um, of course. Uh, I'm, I don't want to hurt those I love. Mm. That's what it comes down to. Like I literally would just, if, if I was given a death, they, they were like, Hey, you got two weeks. Mm. I'd be like, Hey family, let's hold a quick party, like a life celebration party. Mm. I'm going to go to Bali and do mescaline until I die. Like <laughs> this is, <laughs> this is, 
if I'm gonna go, I mean, we're all gonna go. Sure. I don't want. I like. I don't want to hover around the death point. Sure. Like everyone's like. There's you know the point of death. Like you get the dash right. You know, 1982 yeah, yeah, yeah. until whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. And we're all hovering around that that death point. And I'm like, I don't care about the death point because sure. that's an instant. Yeah. That's a moment in time, and it, like whatever precedes that is the things that are. Um, are important to me. Like what I fear the most is insignificance. Mm. That's what I fear the most that I didn't cast enough stones to create enough ripples that affect them. Like I didn't, I didn't create enough waves Mm. to affect enough people in this life that when I leave it, my name will be forgotten quickly. That is what Mm. I fear. And so I'm like, I need to do a lot more with what I have. And Mm. Um, which is really what, what pushed me to finish the book. Sure. Um, actually I wrote a quote in the beginning of this book. Um, I think it's appropriate. Pi. There it is by Mark J. Short. It says, I'm realizing that there's so much that lives only within me. And it needs its find a way, and it needs to find its way to into words on this on these pages. This process requires my time, but this is also how my breath lives beyond me. I've simply decided to trade my time now for when I'm not here, mm. and that's going to be on the inside page mm. um, of the book. And that's also a strange thought. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, as I was writing that, that was actually a text to my friend mid. Uh, like June of last year, wow. um, she asked me why I was writing a book, which is an interesting question. Like, yeah. wh- why Why would you write a book? <clears throat> and I was just like, I'm realizing there's a lot that lives only inside of me. And if I never share it, never put it into words, it'll die with me. Mm. And I don't want that to happen. Um, I want to trade my time now for when I'm not here. Mm. And that's what I'm doing. Because um, I, I don't know when these words are going to be read. And I don't know who is going to stumble upon these things. Um, but if I can do that and put those words on paper, yeah. maybe somebody somewhere will read them and find joy or laughter or healing or purpose or anything. And that will give my life a little bit more significance, mm-hmm. which is my ultimate mo- motivation. Yeah. Mm. Well, um, my brain's going in a lot of different directions. I wonder if you'll give me a a little bit of room to kind of verbal process through a bunch of things, then circle back. So, you know, part of, part of where my mind is going on a lot of this is, um, you know, you mentioned that, um, I forget the, the, the exact language that you use, but how, I mean, death is like, it's, it's unfathomable. It's in, it, it's, uh, you know, so like weird or crazy or, or whatever else. And yet, um, you know, when you really think about it, like dying, when you think of the history of the world and of creatures and human beings, um, I I read this recently and I don't remember where, so I won't be able to give the proper credit, but, um, dying is one of the most ordinary things that we do Yeah, because, we all die. And 
you know, it struck me early on that we have a conversation about death. I mean, we're, we're really having a conversation about life Yeah. because they end up relating to one another. And, and so part of it is that, you know, the, the, the miracle of our lives, but then the reality that they will end requires us to reflect on our living, but then also what do we, what do we do with death? Um, and the fact that, you know, <clears throat> You know, so, so you open up a question, you know, I get a text from Mark that says, I want to do a podcast on the ethics of dying. And I'm like, cool, cool, cool. Um, like anything inside of that or just everything? Pretty much everything. Pretty um, much everything. But I mean, but, I, you know me, I don't like to talk about things before I talk about things. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, it, one of the things that, I mean, there, there's so many different, I think, streams that we can borrow from when we're thinking about just the concept of death. And that's of course, because like this has been happening for a very long time. Cultures have thought about this. Different cultures have had different thoughts about this different. And then you, you can bring in science, you can bring in philosophy, you can bring in theology, you can bring in the poets. Often the poets are the most helpful in the they storytellers. Really are. They you know? really are. Like, well, like, you know, Socrates said, and he was a philosopher, he wasn't even a poet, but he mm. said, death is life's greatest achievement. Mm. Yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah. You know, I, I, I there's so many places my brain could go. I mean, there's the um, kind of Richard Rohr mystical tradition talking about there's a first half of life and a second half of life. And this is about living, of course, about the first half of life is kind of building up and like the things that we're going to do and, you know, we're going to like build things up. And, and the second half of life is like the first half of life is usually marked by by ego, which yeah. ego is wanting to build up and build itself up and to have its own significance. And the second half of life in many ways is the, uh, uh, you know, right. Roar writes the book falling upward, yeah. right. To say that it's about the fall and it's about the laying down of the ego. And in some ways, the second half of life is this process of like acceptance of the fact that we will die. And, um, yeah, I, I speak on this, like I'm talking about it, like I understand this, but like even those words, right? Like, well, I think how I, do you, I how was, do you do that? You I know? was listening and I, I, I'm kicking myself that I don't remember who this is, but again, I don't remember a lot, but I remember the mm -hmm. quote and, and, uh, this guy said, uh, each, each human has two lives and mm -hmm. the second one begins when they realize they only have one. Mm. And, and I think that's what that, I think that's where I'm at. Sure. And I, I feel like it, it almost feels like I feel like I'm at that point right now. Yeah. Like I feel like my second life has begun. Yeah. At, at, you know, over the past, you know, three months. Yeah. Um, but I also feel like, I mean, everything, everything that is alive comes from something that's, that is once lived and now is dead. Right. I mean, whether, right. you, whether you eat a plant or you eat right. meat or you eat anything, it's just it's once it once lived and now it's dead and mm -hmm. it's giving you life, which is funny because you're just a collection of elements, very yeah. basic elements, and somehow that emergent property has created you in this mm -hmm. moment. Yeah. But at some point you will no longer exist and your collection of cells will go to something else that will live. Right. And it's 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 a strange thought. It's mm -hmm. a strange process that the cells that I have right now likely were things that were crawling around or right. growing not even that long ago. Yeah. Well, and, and then you can go both ways, right? You can go that like we are a collection of cells that live and die that make yeah. up one person. And then you can go the other direction to say that like all of us as people were individuals and unique, hooray America, Western civilization. But like, we're all part of like one, like life, 
yeah. like in the sense of like we all do belong to one another. And yeah. I, I think of, you know, you already quoted a cartoon or a meme. <laughs> I'm thinking of the one that shows like you zoom in on all these people and then you zoom out and it's like there's a hand underneath the surface and little fingers poking out. And oh, that yeah. shows the individuals. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's part of the same hand. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, this is the. It's kind of a creepy one, though. It's, it's, it's a little creepy, but, but it's it, really cool. But it makes the point. I mean, and I think it makes the same point that um, you'll remember the term for this the astronauts who look at the Earth. It's and called are, the overview effect. The overview effect of like, this is all small. And like, yes, there's all these individual little things that are part of this. And that doesn't make them any less significant, like yeah. our own individual lives, but it also ties into this bigger one thing. And, and so we find meaning in our lives by moving both directions, by recognizing all the things that live and die within us, within our one life, and recognizing how our one life plays a part in a greater existence yeah. that isn't just you, you know? Yeah. And um, I feel like when I heard that quote, it was at a really interesting point because I had just, I had just, I mean, I had just got, you know, the diagnosis, the, the positive test and all this, and I'm just figuring out all these things and I don't really have, I mean, I still don't have many answers. I have right. a lot more questions. I have a lot of doctor's appointments showing up. Um, mm -hmm. I'm going to see a rheumatologist next week. Yeah. But like the neurologist can't even see me till like May. Yeah. Oh, um, and so, and if I want to go closer, like MSU is like October. So, yeah. um, but it's, but like, I'm okay. Uh, but I feel like when I heard that quote, it's like the second life begins once you realize there's only one. Mm -hmm. I feel like I, at that point, and it's kind of, it's kind of a strange thought, but I feel like, um, I was, I, I almost felt like I was a seed that had been shoved into the ground, like with a thumb yeah. and, and like into some soil, just like shoved down. And then, and then it rained really fast. And, mm. and the reason why I felt that is because, um, it's, it's a couple, like it's a couple of reasons. Um, one, the seed in the first two, three weeks of its, uh, existence is buried and it's dark and wet and cold. And mm. there, it seemed, I mean, like right next to seeds are dead things, graves, you know, it, anything that has died is literally in the dirt mm. and it's right there with it. And then as it begins to sprout, it's casing comes unraveled. Yeah. And so it's, it's protective shell is lost. And that process can look and feel a lot like death. Mm -hmm. And cause I, you're, you're buried and you've lost your protective shell and it's wet and it's yeah. cold and it's dark. And I'm realizing that if you just hold on a little bit longer, that's, that's the growth of a seed. It's the growth of life. The first yeah. stages are always the hardest, mm -hmm. but it also made me realize that that living organism has a definite lifespan mm, yep. and the clock started the moment it was planted yep. and whether that, that clock is short or long, I don't know, mm -hmm. but I felt like that was when, that was when the, the time started for me. Yeah. Yeah. Like my second life started at that point mm. and now I'm like watching the seconds tick and I'm like, is this ticking down to a month or is this, tick, you know, ticking right. down to 30 years? Right. I don't know. I yeah. literally have no idea. Yeah. Um, but I, it does, sorry to interrupt. No. It does strike me how like, obviously 
that is true for you as you have have this information or even a, a lack of information and yeah. a lack of certainty around <laughs> yeah. what you're going through. Um, but what you just described is also true of me. Interesting. And also true of all of us. Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't believe my words are this powerful, but I'm, you know, knock on wood, right? But like, I could drive home and get into a car accident. Yeah. You know, like we, none of us know. Yeah. Now that that's a little cheap when I haven't had neurology appointments for me to say <laughs> stuff like that. And I recognize that, you know, that, that you, okay. you are facing this in a way that a lot of us don't have to. Yeah. Um, but the, the fact of the matter is like, we all face these questions. Yeah. Um, and we all resist them, I think naturally as long as we can. Um, until there's some, until you can't. Yeah. Until there's, there's some, uh, event yeah. that all of a sudden now you're looking at. Yeah. And you always hear those stories like this changed me and yeah. I lived yeah. and now I look at life differently. Right. And it's funny cause like, I, I don't know if I do, I don't know mm. if I look at life differently. Um, I don't know if I, if I live differently, any differently than I did, um, you know, like mentally, emotionally or physically, I, obviously these things change, me, yeah. change everybody. Yeah. Um, but it's not like I have a new outlook on life right. now. Well, it's, I mean, I don't know if all people talk about life changing things, like everything is radically different. It's like not everything is radically different. You still pull up your pants the same way. Like the majority of our lives ends up being the same way. I mean, what we're talking about are these tiny shifts that can make big differences. Yeah. And that, that's just true on everything. But, but part of what you described, like, I think, you know, we all, um, whether we're talking about our, our literal physical death or the death of a dream or the death of the end of a season. I mean, there's, our lives are marked with all sorts of like the, sh the outer casing being cracked open and then a new thing growing from that. Yeah. And that's, and, and so the, you know, you, you start pulling from the more philosophers and, and the artists and, and those who recognize that rhythm to the nature of our lives and talk about that our, our whole lives are, I mean, even every night that you close your eyes is accepting the end of that day, hmm. you know, and is a little death. And that day, yeah, is, is died. Yep. And trusting, you know, so like now you can, you can recognize why people have prayed nighttime prayers because, you know, at the end of the day, it is a way to end that day. It is a way to reflect on that day. And it is also a way to pray for those who are looking to a divine helper to say like, I am ending this day. Now I lay me down my, to sleep. I pray my soul, the Lord to keep right. Like this, like what is happening in the person when they're wanting to pray that prayer? Um, do you pray each night? I do not. I, I'm, did, I'm, did you used to? Um, not like that. Yeah. I, I, I'm more, I, I'm more talking about like the broader, like sure. we pray people who pray and, and all, you know, I mean, you can talk about the, the, the Christian tradition of like praying the hours. Um, you know, there's a whole centuries of folks who would have certain kinds of prayers for different parts of the day anyways. But like, I'm just thinking of that, like that thing within us that like the thing, whether you're religious or not, you know, that some people have experience and it's like in that moment, they're like, oh, I understand what people are doing when they're praying, you know? And so, so just like taking that into like the end of a day and that's, you know, that, that is in some ways learning how to rest. Hmm. And that's another way to think about death is learning to rest and to end the day and to accept that. And I mean, this touches on so much of our lives. This touches on the macro level. <laughs> this touches on the two-year-old that resists going to bed because for that two-year-old, their whole life is the day. And 
you know, it, for young kids in particular, like the everything is so new and everything feels like, like this amazing story. And so you get to the end and you're like, no, no, I don't, I can't. Cause everything is this, this great thing. And of course you can tell me more about this than I even know, but as adults, we're just kind of big kids. We just kind of build <laughs> our brain on top of the brain that was working when we were kids yeah. and like the same mechanisms are at play. And so this, these are a lot of the questions that come up that these are, these are the great, um, the great heavy things that the, 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 the poets and the philosophers have grappled with about how do we approach this thing, you know, that is simultaneously super ordinary and also, um, baffling. So it's, it's strange because I, um, I, the book that mm. I wrote, yeah, I started right when my mom passed. Mm. Um, I had an idea that I had come across. Do you want some more water? I'm good for now. Yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm fidgeting. I'm touching you're, something. You're fidgeting. You're good. Um, uh, when my mom passed, I had an, I had this, this idea that I wanted to write. I had these, um, things that I had come mm. across in science and they, yeah. they were really just, um, mind blowing discoveries that no one talks about because mm. physicists don't even really understand how to express, um, the significance of, um, I mean, really what, what I had come down to was like the wave particle duality of, uh, sub subatomic particles with yeah. mass sure. acting like waves and they shouldn't have. Yeah. Um, it was very strange. Like it's, and it's still to this day, very, yeah. very strange. Right. Um, but I started contemplating, um, the why, which is mm. a question that scientists typically don't ask. I mean, you you can try to ask the why. It's typically what? What is science? Right. Like, what's going on? What is the mechanism? What is happening? Observing. What is this? Yeah. Right. That's the what. The why is such a tricky question because mm. why it incites motive and yeah, intention. <clears throat> intention. And mm. like, I, how do you know the intention of a, an electron? You know, um, I mean, these studies were showing that electrons know when they're being watched and they change their behavior when we watch them. Mm. How does an electron know? Like you are made of electrons and then everything, everything in this entire universe. But like those electrons know when they're being watched and protons, like how do, how do they know? And so like my brain started going down this wild rabbit hole and I started with all these weird concepts and I just started going down this, this crazy path and I started writing this book and that's when things started happening to me mm. and I and and then I'm like yeah well we're just living in a simulation it doesn't even matter anyways <laughs> and like a part of me literally a part of me wonders like if I die like mm. none of this will exist anyways and for me that's the, that's the case like my simulation will end and everything I know and everyone I know will cease to exist um, when that is true, that is, and that's true for me. Mm -hmm. And I have no way of proving that you are not an actual human. I have no way of proving that you're real. I have no way. There's no way. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I grapple with now is, is how do I know what I know? Yeah. You know, because like all of a sudden I started writing this book and then everything went upside down for me. And I was just like, is this like the universe telling me to... <laughs> 
Stop writing the book. Am I giving away too many of its secrets? <laughs> don't tell. Don't and, tell. And, and that's why I was like, I had to finish the book before I die because, <laughs> like, but these are real thoughts going through my head. You sound like a government conspiracist. I, I'm not, like they're gonna kill me. I better I, get the word I know, out. But like, it's they. It's not the government. It's like the the advanced civilization. It's the, great, the greats governing principle. Right. Yeah. Like the advanced civilization that is that is governing over this simulation. Like it's funny we laugh, but like these are the thoughts that went through yeah, my head yeah. because. When you and I'm when, not laughing at you. I oh, hope I know. you know. Okay. Yeah, like w- w- when you're dealing with uh, when you're dealing with ex- existential yeah. questions and, and things like this, you go down weird rabbit holes. You do. Yep. And I I I have I have no idea mm. if any of this exists beyond me because the moment mm. I die, there's no way to test that for me or yeah. for you. Yeah. Everything stops at me mm-hmm. for me. Yep. And that's a hard thing for me to grip because I would love to die and then watch and be like, oh, no, they were real. Or like wake up on a couch and it's 2350 and I take off my VR goggles and I'd be like, that was a great simulation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, right, and, I, and right. I'm 16 years old, you know, yeah. um, like that. That's possible. Like that, that is a possibility <laughs> sure. of what's going on. Is it practical? Probably not. Yeah. Does it change anything for me? I, I don't think so. Yeah. But like, what are the ramifications of those things? Like, these are the things I think about. Yeah. And I'm like, what, what does that mean for when my mom died? Mm. Because she, she, I mean, did she respawn? Mm. Was there a break? I mean, is time linear? Did she go backwards in time and respawn? Or, you know, like, and I say respawn loosely, like, right? But, like, um, I, I know that there are a lot of children that talk about previous lives and things that they mm. shouldn't know. Mm. Um, I mean, like, th- there's lots of videos. Like, there's one that surfaced recently, and this girl was like, I miss being a pirate. <laughs> and, and her mom was like, well, a pirate? When were you a pirate? And she was like, it was a long time ago. You wouldn't remember it. And then she starts talking, but then she's like, she starts talking about the boat she was on. Uh, and then she names the boat. And then her mom goes and looks up the boat and it's a real boat. Mm, and then she's wow. like, yeah. And you go over here and then this is that. And she's talking about the boat intelligence. She's like three, mm. you know? And so like my brain goes to different places. Sure. I, I don't know the reality of the, yeah. of the, uh, the situation that we're living in. I don't yeah. know. I, I don't know. Like how do kids know that kind of stuff? I have no idea. You know, like I don't. Yeah. Um, it it kind of throws a wrench in the idea that we are these, uh, you know, very special creatures that a soul comes into a body and then right. we go somewhere else As, and never never to see anyone ever again. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, that's the, that you start in these conversations, you start getting into like the metaphysics, the way that we've talked about these things, whether if you come from a <laughs> uh, evangelical Christian background that, that oh, honestly yeah. is super certain about, and you narrow. know, and, and, but, but it's not just that it's narrow. It's, I mean, which it is, we've talked about that before, of course, but there's the, um, like part of what you were describing, what, what came to mind for me of like the, we can't get outside of our own brain, no. right? Like we can't, so like everything, and I, you can wax poetically about this much more than I can, but like everything is electrical impulses happening in our brain, everything. which is the whole simulation deal. But like, we can't get out of that. We have no. to live within it. Yeah. And, and if you do live within it, there's all kinds of certain things that you can do. Like you can touch a glass and you can touch a person and you can, you know, there, there's, there's sensory things that happen living within the thing. 
um, when we start trying to think about getting outside of it, like we can't. There's no way. And that's and and honestly, when we try to, we get existential crises because there's literally <laughs> nothing to hold on to. I had an existential and, crisis. And and let's be real, like like how many, you know. The stories that, I mean, we, we are meaning making creatures who tell stories to help us wrap our heads around things that we can't wrap our heads around otherwise. This is, is, is there a possibility that there is no meaning? Is there a possibility that there's no meaning to life at all? Well, I, I mean, think, like a greater meaning. I mean, obviously we make the meaning, right? Right. I think what I was going to say though, is like, isn't that a getting outside of ourselves question? Probably. Like we can't, like I, we can't even answer that. Like we can only speak from within our own, you know, neurons and our own experience, which we find meaning through the stories that we tell and through the places that we're born and the people that we've known. And that ends up finding shape and meaning to things. But what's really interesting is how, like, again, the, you know, whether it's, you know, we want certainty and certainty is kind of a first half of life thing. And it's, we want to have certainty about the things that we can experience with our own senses. And then we, when we get into those bigger, deeper waters, things outside of what we can really grapple with, we try to extend what we have known in our own existence of the, I can apply answers and certainty. So we tell kids, if you invite Jesus into your heart, when you die, you'll be able to go to heaven someday. Certain. And it's certain, right? It is a, I know how that works. And we hold that like a, like a true, like a, like <laughs> in it's, you could speak to it again more than I could, but like it, it, in my mind, it, it seems like it's in the same part of our brain as what you were describing of like 127 and 96. Like, oh, you go here and then this happens. Like it's linear, it's logical, it's mm -hmm. spatial. Mm -hmm. um, and like this is what happens. And the, you know, <laughs> it's it's hogwash. <laughs> you know, it is a it is a grasping at straws. And you know, the, the, the Christian in me wants to draw on the tradition to say, this is a, a, a grasping at wind. It is a vapor. It is like, I actually think the, the, these traditions better and rightly understood have a wisdom that prevents us from falling into these really narrow, simplistic, overly certainty driven. I think a lot of these traditions is about not only grappling with the uncertainty, but learning how to live within that yeah. and to accept the uncertainty and to, you know, so, so taking it all the way back to what we were talking about, like, uh, you know, you were saying if, if, if you get to this place of like fear of death and you're just like, well, shut everything down, nothing is going to happen. And I might as well just like, there's nothing in life. Sure. And it's like, those are, those are opposite sides of the same coin, yeah. um, of like first half of life. Like we're living, we're alive, we're going to do all the things or nope, we're gonna die and we can do none of the things. Mm. And then there's this point where like there's this acceptance of the end of something that then allows you to simply live. Yeah. And to, and again, this is one of those where like, it changes everything but changes nothing. Yeah. Because it changes everything in the sense of like, we will die. It changes nothing mm. in the sense of and this life is a gift and we just walk in each day as it comes, which is of course what we've been doing the entire time. Sure. But we do so with a different kind of awareness from a different space with it, with a different kind of motivating driving principle. It's not, I need to build and do all the things. It is this life is a gift. And as long as we have it, we walk in it. And then we approach death with whatever it may, whenever it may come, however it may come. And this is, this is what we have. So what would you say if 
<clears throat> you were still uh, pastoring a man of the cloth. Mm. And um, just just for the record, this is a side note. I need to say yeah. this. I need to say this. Yeah. Uh, I think there is going to be some sort of UFO invasion this year. Cool. FYI. Great. I feel like the government is preparing us for we that. We heard it here first. Yes. Um, I don't want to say alien invasion. Okay. But that could be a thing too. But like balloon over Montana invasion? Or? That's strange. <laughs> it's, it's over Carolina right now. Is it Carolina now? Yeah. Um, As I say, when it was over Montana, we were like, this is not China spying. What are they going to learn about Montana? You know, there, There's some nuclear fallout sites in Montana. Oh. Uh, it's one of the largest nuclear uh, production sites in the U.S. is oh, in Montana. Shit. Yeah. Um, and the reason it's in Montana is in case they go boom, boom, no, not a lot of people die. Um, so d- it does make sense. It is surveillance. <laughs> but <clears throat> this is a side note. I'm about to move out west. Uh, uh, this, is, this, this is a side note. Um, people can see that balloon with their naked eye, and it is twice the height of a U.S. of, of a regular airliner. Those 737, 747 mm. airliners are massive. Yeah, yeah. And with the naked eye at 30,000 feet, they are a speck. Wow. This thing, if you compare the size, is four times as big, twice as far away. Wow. So that, and, and th- those numbers are exponential. So you're looking at something that is, I, it's, yeah. I, you, can, you can do distance over size, equals distance over size. Um, so it's a, a great way to figure out h- how big the moon is, is if you hold your thumb out mm-hmm. like this, or you hold a measuring tape out yeah, right. from your eye, you measure from your eye to the measuring tape. So that's distance. And then you measure the size of the moon. Um, yep. And so it's like distance of, you know, uh, 47 centimeters, yep. and then it's one centimeter. Yep. So distance so over size ratio of, equals, yeah. and we know the moon is 200, or let's say kilometers, because we're doing centimeters. So we we know it's 310 uh, kilometers, uh, thousand meters, right? 310,000 kilometers away. Um, to you can then calculate you can the size. Calculate the size, yeah, right. right? Well, we can do that with this. If you just hold something out from your eye to your hand and measure that distance and then measure the size, mm-hmm. you can do it in millimeters, and you can calculate the size of this thing. It is massive, probably 10 times as big as one of these uh, airliners that are, I mean, it's as big as an airport to give you an idea. Like this is as big as, as an airport at 60,000 feet. You can see it with the naked eye. You should not be able to see it with the naked eye. Like you can barely see airliners 30,000 feet. Yeah. Right. 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 So this thing is massive. Um, So it's the death star is what we're saying. Well, they're talking about shooting it down over, over the Atlantic. Um, but it, it has a weird satellite thing attached to the bottom of it. It's it's weird, man. That's weird. That's a weird thing. Um, the Chinese are claiming it's uh, like a weather thing. Um, no, they're saying it's like um, something got blown off course, per- right? Person like like it's it's for civilians riding or something like that. It's very strange. Oh. Um, weird. But uh, um, I I think that the government is preparing us for. Um, what's going to look like an alien invasion or a UFO invasion um, soon, maybe this year. Uh, you heard it here. You heard it first. Mark explains. You got 30% off of a t-shirt and you heard about the yeah. promise of... I, oh, I should make UFO t-shirts. 
I survived a UFO abduction. All I got with this stupid T-shirt. There you go. How does that fit in with the Thick Boy Fitness line? It, it, it doesn't. This is the new sure. line. Sure, but new business. have you have you seen half of our shirts that like? There's one with a shark eating a guy. Yeah. And on the shark it says Thick Boy, like yeah. t- tattooed on him, and the guy's like everything is fine. And there's nice. like blood splattering. And yeah. Stuff. It's. What does it have to do with being a thick boy? The shark is a thick boy. I guess. It has you. That's the yeah. the link here. Yeah, it's me. <laughs> you just, are just being ridiculous. You are holding together. <laughs> yeah. How does course. that belong? Of course, Mark. Um, so, <laughs> what? Let's say you are still pastoring. Sure. And um, this is Friday night before a Sunday. You're 36 hours away from a Sunday, mm. and the the government comes out and says. Um, the water that we've been drinking was given a parasite from aliens Mm. or from something. We don't know what it was from. Everyone has 30 days to live on the entire planet. You have 30 days. And I mean, it, it is, it is going to kill everybody. Well, like, what would you tell, what would you tell your congregation? Like, how would you open up, that Sunday morning, mm. like, would you play your songs? Would you play your two or three songs that you normally do? <laughs> yeah, you would do. No, I'm I'm laughing at the idea of like <laughs> no, normalcy. We do our typical, you know, contemporary you, church liturgy. Hey, good morning, church. It's great to see you. We're just happy that you would came you, out. Would you take a tithe? <laughs> would you take an offering? Goodness. Well, I think like so. In some ways, the question that you're asking is like. It's the same question as if you asked an individual person if you were told you had 30 days to live, but then you're asking it on the level of like as a pastor over a congregation. Right. You know, so or as a, or as a person who um, speaks into people's lives, yeah. even, even now. So like what? Yeah. So your question is like, what what do we have to say? Like, what would we even say? How, how, would, you, how would you guide the people? So a couple of different ways that I would approach that. One, um, I think the joking about the songs and the tithe, I think demonstrates the, the the same thing that this does for individual lives. If you find out you have 30 days to live, you don't go to your bullshit job anymore, right? Yeah. Like you cut through all the bullshit. And so I think that would have a clarifying effect of like the things that don't matter, don't matter anymore. Hmm. And you only focus on what really matters. What really matters then? What is it that needs to be said? Um, well, I think... I wonder, sorry to interrupt. Yeah. I, I wonder if that's... A, a, a version of that also happens at the second life. Of course. That you realize that the, the job is bullshit. The things that don't matter, don't matter. The job is bullshit. Yeah. The the things that like you, the routine is bullshit and you start to do things that you that you love. Want. Yes. And that, and that you, that you find life in. The things that make you feel alive. The things that create yeah. life because like, you've been living in a state of death and you ah, didn't even realize so it. So here you realize there's death in our lives all the time. And now that the now that the the presence of death is yep. an option, now you start to live. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, there's all sorts of things we can go into there, right? Like so so back to the question of like, okay, Tom's a pastor, Pastor Tom here. Um Okay, so I, in in my mind, you, know, you come back to okay. If you're a pastor, you're within this Christian tradition, and you draw, you stand on the shoulders of all the people who come before you, and the people who have come before you said that like I have one thing to proclaim, and it is Christ crucified and risen from the dead. Sure. So, like I think, in the back of my mind, as I'm trying to figure out what the hell I'm going to say in light of this, I'm thinking of that. Like the one thing that I have to say to people is this story that the Christian tradition holds, which is a story of that death is not the end 
and that they're, you know, the worst thing is never the last thing. Mm. And, um, and so in some ways that is kind of the backbone of the what worst is, thing is never the is last, never thing. the last thing. Isn't that good? Yeah. What is the worst? thing? <laughs> Whatever it is. It's not the last thing. It's not the last thing. Yeah. That is, that is, I think it was Frederick Beekner. Um, That's who did great, that one. Honestly. And, um, one of the pastors, uh, Adam Hamilton says that all the dang time. That's like his main thing that he would say, uh, um, like on, it's, it's the story of, of Easter of resurrection. Mm. It's this, you know, it's Holy week is this narrative of like, Jesus is killed and you get all the way to like, you know, good Friday being this horrible, awful, it's called good Friday, ironically in some ways. Um, but that, you know, this Holy Saturday day is the day between the two. It is before the resurrection, but it's, um, it's after the death. And in some ways we live in that reality and then Easter comes to clarify that the worst thing is never the last thing. Mm -hmm. And so that becomes a macro rhythm for my life, for all of our lives, for life in general. Um, that is that is kind of the, the deep hope. Um, so, so, so then death is no longer something that we avoid or we run from. It is something that we can walk into recognizing that mm -hmm. this will suck. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is not what we want. Right. But the worst thing is never the last thing. Mm -hmm. And so in some ways, like... If I'm a pastor, I'm saying something like that. Um, I'm also saying something like, um, <laughs> whether you have 30 days to live or 300,000 days to live, um, how we live, um, If I, and, and I'm, I'm preaching, right? I'm preaching to a Christian community so I can tell them we're followers of Jesus. Right. So what does that mean? It means that you follow the ways and the practices and the life of Jesus. So you love God and love neighbor as yourself. I think I think that those traditions transcend religion, though. You know, like because I I have a hard time for sure and finding I, solidarity with with the first part, but the second part of what you said mm -hmm. it rings true to every human. Love neighbor as yourself. Yes, right, but right. I mean, first loving yourself. Yeah, yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah, and yep, yep, yep. but to to relentlessly be kind. Yeah. And to, I mean, it's funny because like you, you, you said like, as you're talking about this, I put myself back in my pastoral hmm. shoes. That was, I mean, it's been some time, Yeah. but I, I think, you know what I'd do? I'd be like, Hey, so we're going to forgo this fucking service. And <laughs> how about everyone just come over to my house? We're going to eat food and we're just going to talk and laugh. We're going to live. Yep. And, and yep. I, you guys can stay as long as you want. And, and my door is open for the next right. 30 days. If you just want to come over, hang, yeah. watch movies. Yeah. Let's just talk about life. Yeah. Knowing we're going to die. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, and in some ways, like, and, and again, I go back to the whole thing that I said, which in part feels silly, but is also true of the, like, every single one of us having, don't know when we're going to die. You know, some people find out diagnoses or they have certain things happen where they have to face that reality a lot more than the rest of us. Mm -hmm. um, but I think I would probably, I, I might even say something similar to that effect to my church who's just been told that they have 30 days before the parasite gets them. It's like, we've always known this is going to happen. Like mm -hmm. this changes things, but this doesn't change things. Right. This, this, yeah, we now have a number, <laughs> Yeah. but we have a way to live. We have a way to walk and we have a deep conviction that the worst thing's never the last thing. Yeah. So let's just keep doing what we know to be true and right. And if this season helps to clarify things to you that are important, pay attention to that, walk in that and seek to live that out. Hmm. I think that's what I say. Hmm. 
And in some ways, it's the same thing that you'd say in so many other scenarios as well. Yeah. It's the thing I'd say to you, Mark. <laughs> nah, I appreciate you, man. I have one more thing that great. I wanted to do, and then we can wrap this up. Yeah, great. Um, I wanted to read a, a letter to you. Um, mm. This letter came from, uh, this letter was written into um, a different podcast, but it's, it's really interesting. Um, this guy talks about, he tells his story, and then he asks a question at the end. Mm. And um, I wanted to read this, and I wanted to ask you the question of what this story means to you and how you would respond to this person. Mm. Um, the letter says, here's a story for a storyteller. I had my first existential crisis when I was almost five. It was my first memory. My family went to the family cemetery for Memorial Day and I recognized a stone that had my same birthday and same last name. But my parents gently told me um, how my twin brother had died during birth. Whoa. But they were very lucky and happy that I had that I had lived. Mm. A few days later, my mom saw me drawing a tombstone with crayons, and in my child's mind, I thought I would die soon as well. Mm. Um, and I wanted to have a headstone similar to my twins. Mm. My mom gently explained that I would live for a long, long time, and there was no need to worry about such things. <laughs> you know all too well that if you lived a Southern Baptist country in the South, the question if you die tomorrow. Do you know where you, will, where you will spend eternity is so prevalent that it's plastered on billboards. So I gave my life to Jesus um, when I was so young because I wanted to spend eternity with my brother Anthony, my twin. Being aware of my own mortality at such a young age is a strange experience, and I would think to myself often that most people waste their precious time. My faith in my life in high school was decent. I too was a nerd and I didn't find school academically challenging. My four years in college were, were just a blast and off the charts. I majored in chemistry and my faith was strong. I worked at a Baptist church camps during the summers. I accepted my first position as a chemist for Procter, Procter and Gamble in Cincinnati and I was so overwhelmed by city life. I had, engage, I had an engagement that didn't work out and I experienced a deep depression for the first time. Um, but in a, in a few short months, God would send me my wife to be. Um, I saved myself for marriage since I thought that God would reward me with a wonderful wife. We had our ups and downs just like every other couple, and we had three lovely children, a girl and then boy, boy and girl twins. I truly thought that my twins were a gift from God to reconcile for my twin's death when I was a kid. After 12 years of marriage, I was blindsided with divorce papers. I learned about no-fault divorce laws. I learned that I could not stop a divorce. I learned my wife was having an affair and that the courts were indifferent to adultery. Mm. It was an ugly, costly, and annihilating divorce. She got the house. She got the kids. I got an apartment with weekend visitations. I still call the experience my emotional holocaust where everything that I, that I was and everything that I believed in was burned to absolutely nothing. Jesus was a lie and God was dead. After grieving for a year, I began dating and eventually I would meet my Cheryl. I would learn what a soulmate really meant. I told Cheryl that I never wanted to marry again, and she was agreeable to a small commitment ceremony. We moved to Dallas when the recession took my job and severely cut her pay. Although my ex-wife promised I could see my kids, we would end up in the courtroom again. I have only seen my children three to four days for each year since 2010, and now they are like strangers. Just as, I was begin, just, as, just as I was about to consider faith again, Cheryl died on a business trip. 
on Good Friday, 2013. I knew she had plans all weekend, so I wasn't worried until Monday. I had called the local sheriff's office to request a courtesy call at her furnished condo. A deputy called 30 minutes later to confirm my worst fears, and I had the daunting task of calling Cheryl's family on April 1st. I can still hear the voice of her daughters calling me back, screaming over the phone that this was just a cruel April Fool's joke. I'm sorry, baby girl, but your mom is gone. Cheryl was 46 years old, and God was surely dead. I could not believe that a God existed anymore. If he did exist, he certainly did not care about me or the entire human race. As a child, I believed that God placed me here to be an exemplary husband and father. Today, I only believe in a Spinoza-type God only because of the beauty of nature can be breathtaking. I have no desire to be a husband due to the family court laws, and I don't know my I, and I don't even know my own children. I spent my life following the rules, and I have nothing to show for it. So, question: Why am I here? At the end, it says, "P.S. I'm so glad I found you." Listening to your podcast makes this spiritual skeptic not feel so alone. My best, Andy. <laughs> Can't help but to not get choked up reading that. There's a lot of solidarity uh, in there with me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll just... I'll name this um it's a pretty heavy story to consider just the detail right at the beginning about twins yeah while my wife is pregnant with twins yeah um so that that already is stirring just things in me and brings to the surface deep desires and you know the whole you have kids and your heart's outside of your chest thing like they're not even born yet. I can't even imagine. Holy shit. Um, I mean, you're hearing me very quiet, which I don't know how much of this you'll edit out. None. None. Great. Because, like, I don't know what I have to say. Like, and we've had this kind of, I feel like you've asked me a kind of question before where, you know, and it was kind of like, well, what do you say to that as a pastor? And it's like, I say nothing. Like, I I want to just... What would you say to him? say to me I think the thing that I would want to offer you Mark which is probably it's probably the best thing that I have to give is simply to
struggling with, to be here and to simply be here with you in this and to hear your story and to give it the dignity of being your story and to this individual that would be, I'd want to sit with and be with and to say, um, I am sorry. I am so sorry. I think that comes from the place of like, in our pain, certainly we want to not have the pain, but we also want people who would be willing to sit in it and not need to fix it. Because, right, what what the fuck would fix that? <laughs> Nothing. I'm a fixer, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, other, the only other thing that occurred to me thinking about the letter was that the P.S. became a small hint toward the answer to the question. Sure. Right? So the P.S. being the moment of gratitude and connection and feeling less alone. Maybe that's why we're here. Maybe, maybe we're here so that we can know and be known. Maybe we're here so that we can not be alone in our pain and suffering. And that feels so small in the face of everything. And yet, maybe that's enough for this moment. I think that's everything. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I appreciate you, man. I love you, Mark. I'll be too, dude. Appreciate you making time before you move. Colorado <laughs> drive over and have a random conversation about death with me <laughs> I'll do that anytime it tracks <laughs> yeah it does it tracks. It does I'm also not doing a whole lot right now no um, this is really weird limbo for me um, I have five weeks of long distance with my six-month pregnant wife when do you move when do you go uh, February 26th is the drive day and I dropped her off in Colorado. Um, oh, I don't know if you knew this. Um, so we, uh, not, so two weeks ago today, uh, we made the drive to Colorado, drove her car, a trailer and her cat and our cats. Oh, geez. Um, and I did not want to do a hotel room with cats. Oh, <laughs> so we just did it. We blitzed it, left at six in the morning, got in at 1030 like local time, hour drive 18 and a half. Yeah. yeah. And we kept the brakes pretty short. Um, and uh, yeah, so had the weekend to kind of get her settled. And then Monday flew back and that was fucking weird yeah, <laughs> to yeah. like, you know, and I, and I learned something about myself in that, like in the last hour, um, it's like I learned something about myself, but also as I think about it, like, of course this is what I did. Um, that last hour, like some people would just like want to be and just like, let's just sit together and talk. And do you know what I was doing? It's not that I was avoiding that, um, but I was walking around in every single room that, you know, so we're, we're moving in with Kara's folks. Um, we're gonna have the whole upper floor of the house. There's three bedrooms up there. One of them's gonna be a living room, room for babies, room for us. And then we have a bathroom. So we kind of have our own space up there. 
And so I'm walking around those rooms going like, okay, we've unpacked this. Do you have this? Do you have what you need? Is there anything that I can do for you now? Do that word do, right? right. What can I do for you now (laughs) while I'm here? Because I won't be here now. Like she's with her folks. Like I know she's taken care of and I know, like, I know there are, I know she is okay. Yeah. But I also like, this is my six month pregnant wife who's bearing my children and I want to do whatever I can to help her. And like the recognition that like, I am about to leave her for five weeks and not see her. And so that was really weird. And then get home and I have never lived alone in my life. What? Yeah. It's great. I, (laughs) I think, Hmm. At this point, it's really hard to imagine like adjusting to this because of like the reality of being married and, and kids coming and all that. But like, because oh, it would be the loss of all those things. But oh, like, yeah. I think there's part of me that says I probably could adjust to life alone. Yeah. Um, but uh, like, honestly, like I've never lived in our house without pets. We moved into the house with our cats. So like I noticed it the moment I opened the door and I didn't have the greeting committee. <laughs> you know, I didn't have to worry about leaving the door open and the cats getting out. Yeah. And that moment of like, oh, I am completely alone in this space. Mm-hmm. And then like, it's not enough time to like fully adjust to a new rhythm. It's just kind of limbo. Um, I'm also finishing up my job, uh, which, you know, you want to talk about senioritis. My like caring about this <laughs> departed a long time ago, especially when I'm like, why am I here? Is that when I asked you to? To, was it go skiing? Or yeah, something? you asked me to like play the, hooky, and I'm like, ooh, that's really freaking tempting. You're like, I can't do that though. And I was like, what are they gonna do? Fire you? And I'm like, it's true, but like, I, you know, I'm working for my buddy, and he oh. gave me a job six months ago, okay. and I want to help him out. Okay. But we already have my replacement, so I'm, and he's been in for like five weeks, and I'm like, what am I doing? You, you know, doing? like, I'm kind of helping with special projects and helping the new guy still get the ropes. So like, I'm, I kind of have value, but I also want to be like, how about I just be done? Can I yeah, just be done? Be done. Can I just not go in? Be done. Yeah. Be done. What part of Colorado? Uh, we're moving to Golden, just west of Denver. I love Golden. Yes. Love, yeah. love, love. Yeah. Like, so like, you're picturing probably Golden proper. Um, they're a little bit east of like Golden, Wheat Ridge, Applewood, kind okay, of yeah. between I mean, that I, area. I lived in Highlands Ranch. Okay. Um, on the south side. Yeah. And I would go. I would go over to Golden all the time. So um, the the Mesa uh, Table Table Mountain. Uh, there's a Mesa like in their neighborhood. Yeah. Like, you can like in walk the fo- in the foothills. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so like you can walk from their house and get to the trail that takes you up to the top of the Mesa. Um, <coughs> it's like a 45 minute up and down. Bro. I'm going to do that like every day. Do you, you're living a stone's throw from Red Rocks. Yeah. I'm not that far from there at all. Yeah. Like 20 minutes. Yeah. That's crazy. for sure. Yep. Oh dude. Yeah. Oh dude. So I'm, I'm Jealous. very excited. Um, Jealous. but yeah, it's a, it's a weird in between season while like, I'm so excited for what is to come. Um, but then I'm like in like a lot of our stuff has moved out there, but I still have some packing to do here. And then I'm in a house that's like our house, but technically it's not our house. We closed. Um, so like, you know, it's a, it's own kind of stripping away and, (laughs) you know, ending and something to grieve and to give way for the next thing. And, um, my life is about to become, it is in the process of being like super simplified, 
uh, in preparation for as it is about to be like wildly complicated of yeah. keeping two little creatures alive. Yeah. Um, and you know, both of them at the same time, um, yep. everything happening at the same time. <laughs> um, that's wild. So, well, congratulations. First of all, thank you. Congratulations on the birth of your baby's coming. Congratulations on the move. Congratulations Thanks. on everything, man. Yeah. We're excited, but it, yeah, I, I started this whole story just to say like, I didn't have anything else to do today. So <laughs> it was like, you know, yeah, I took some time out of my Saturday to drive down and spend the time with you, which I would anyways, but also I wasn't doing anything. <laughs> Lie to me. <laughs> Tell me you can't. Oh, plans. Mark, I, 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 I would drop everything. Thank you. I that's, drop that's everything to, to uh, spend time to with you. Both are true, my <laughs> friend. Know, that's awesome. Both are true. Well, dude, thanks for coming on. Of man. course. Thanks for talking to me about heavy stuff. Anytime. Um, appreciate you. Deeply mm-hmm. appreciate you. And now I got another reason to go out to Colorado. And yeah, uh, please and, visit and visit. I, I mean, it's my favorite ski place. In yeah. The nation. Right. Uh, although Utah and Tahoe are sure. Um, yeah. A close rival, uh-huh. but um, I'll, I'll come. It's all out. the Rockies, man. You I'll know. come out. I'll come out. Love you, <laughs> buddy. Love, Love you too, man. Bye, everybody.